Oof, it's finally here, folks. It, I can't really believe it's been five years. I looked up at today and I was like, it just doesn't seem like it, but time flies when you are constantly pumping out tons of content for all you wonderful listeners, and after five years, we are so happy that you are still here with us. Welcome, folks. This is the Uticast, episode 260, our five-year anniversary special, and we are joined by our very special guest for his fifth time on the show, uh, Congressman of the 22nd District of New York, Anthony Brindisi is here joining us once again. We're very happy to have him. Also this week, Kevin and I will discuss uh, a lot of stuff that's been going on in the world. We'll talk about five years of podcasts, talk about states reopening, uh, Supreme Court stuff from today, uh, Ted Cruz versus Ron Perlman, uh, we'll do some history lessons, HBO Go, we'll do some, we'll do everything. I have so much stuff for you folks. Bon Appetit. Again, I want to thank everybody so much for the last five years. It's been an honor and a privilege to do this show for you folks. Thank you so much. As always, we are beyond, beyond happy to have you here, folks. Feeling a lot. Feeling a lot. It feels a lot like my thirtieth birthday. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because much like when I turned thirty, I got myself all worked up thinking about it. All twenty nine years old. Like oh, I can't believe I'm going to be thirty next. For the whole twenty nine years, the you've whole... been thinking I can't believe I'll be thirty. <laughs> right, the whole twenty nine year, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then once I got to thirty, I had my third birthday. I was like, oh yeah, it's Wednesday. It's chilla. We're just yeah, living yeah. the dream. So for a couple weeks, I've been stressed out about you mm-hmm. know, whether I could get somebody to come on and do the show, what we're going to do for the five-year anniversary. Mm. Now after I... Because well, we haven't had any guests, you know, no guests in a no while. Guests. We've had some friends filling in, but, you know, for the five-year anniversary, you'd like to have somebody. Want to have somebody. You'd like to have somebody. Uh, so, uh, it has been almost two years, actually, since he was last on the show. It was October... Uh, boy, I want to say it was October 17th of 2016. 17, right before the election. in November. 2018. 2018. Yeah. So yeah, it's so almost two years since mm-hmm. he's been on the show. Uh, Congressman Anthony Brindisi joined mm-hmm. me via Zoom for a nice 20-minute conversation. It was very... That's right, folks. Sitting members of the United States Congress here on the Uticast. <laughs> so, uh... Can I tell you, and this isn't, you know, this is what it is. I've told this story a couple times. It's super weird to me. Yes. That he has my phone number. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this... Because it makes you wonder who has these other Congress people's phone numbers. <laughs> if you can directly text, you're a member of the House of Representatives, like who can text all the rest of these folks? When the when the whole COVID thing happened and the schools closed down, I remember that mm. week specifically. You're I, sending texts, Anthony, please help. <laughs> no, he sent me an unsolicited text message, not from like his press secretary, who's a different person who I've talked to. Mm. Shout out to Luke, thanks for helping out with this today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he sent me a personal text message, just being like, I hope everything's okay for you guys. Let me, just, let me know if you need anything. Like, really, mm. like, super, like, didn't have to for any reason whatsoever. It's nice to live in an area small enough where, uh, and especially to have our representative come from the city we live in, like, in his district or whatever. You know what I mean? Because it's a large mm-hmm. district. But it's nice to be able to see, at least on a small level, uh, members of Congress being able to have personal relationships, like, constituents, like, yeah. really reaching out and remembering 
where they come from, what they're supposed to be representing, and what's going on out in this wild, wild shit show going on in the mm-hmm. world in Washington and everything at large today. So he that's was, pretty cool. Appreciate him making the time for coming to do the show. I do appreciate him. He didn't, again, he he didn't have to. He set some time aside for me a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. He told me he would, and it was I really appreciate it. So thanks to uh, Congressman Dissy. It makes me think here on our five-year anniversary that, you know, we have a good time. We do this show. We're out here every week. But this show would not be the show it's been without all of the guests. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's been on, that's the hook, right? Because well, we're not the hook. So, it's funny you say that. I went back through and I was looking at a lot of the different guests. I was being, I guess you could call it vaguely nostalgic. I'm not, mm-hmm. like, wistful or anything because sure. we'll still have to do another one next week. If it's not a, if it's not a special episode. <laughs> Sure. Uh, but even going back, like I went back to the earliest episodes of the show. Do you remember who our earliest guests were? I mean, I'm sure. If you say them, I'm like, yes, I know that person, I know that person. I mean, Cliff Montoni, episode one, our good Shut friend up. Cliff Montoni. Uh, Kate Riley and Sarah Foster for their mm-hmm. Boilermaker preview. You've mm-hmm. heard those names pop up here Some in the more coming around. Uh, the Kate Millers of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Z. Donaldson, what a time. Uh, Tim Schramm, mm-hmm. number five. Yeah, yeah, all the luminaries. GFOP Chris Mandry. Oh, great friend of the I'm podcast. I'm trying to figure out which of these was Heather, episode number eight, Heather Wise last mm-hmm. the topping tree. See, and then she slid oh. right in. Okay, so let's, right let's talk about that, too. Uh, I did, because I knew I was only probably going to get 20 minutes max with the congressman. I like to have a longer than that interview. I did record about 12 to 15 minutes of conversation with our pal Heather. Mm. And then, when I got back here to the studio, and she doesn't know this because I haven't texted her to tell her yet, it seems as though the... Interview is missing. Her yeah, portion. the audio is deleted. Audio is deleted. Mm. So, after we're done here, right. I am going to go back over to Studio B, where we did the recording for these for these Zoom chats, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go see if I can find the missing audio. Maybe right. I just grabbed the wrong thing. Maybe it's... Yeah, yeah. Who knows what it is. Could be anything. So, there may be a 10 to 15 minute interview with Heather, if I can go back and find it. I am not going to make her do it again over the phone. I see. I'm, I just, of course, yes. Yeah, you get one shot. That's something I've learned over the years in podcasts. The only person busier than a congressman is a, is a mom, I feel like. Not even that. You can't, you can't, there's, there's a secret for all you podcasters out there who've decided you want to do a interview-based podcast show. If you interview somebody and you lose the interview, do not interview them again right afterwards. Do not try and repeat the interview you just did. Can't say, do it. Say the can't hell with it. it. Do it the next week. Find it's somebody over. else. It's, you've killed them. You've killed mm. it. Just move on. Mm. Don't try and do it again. I did it once years and years ago. It was a big mistake. Right. Um, I was trying to see some luminaries on here. I would say, I mean, we had the mayor on in episode 17. That was a big deal for us yeah, to get yeah. the mayor. Big time. Wonderful we'll come back on. A little bit of legitimacy. A little, a little buzz back then. <laughs> Buzzing a bit. Uh, yeah, Brindisi didn't come on until episode 72 when him and Joe Marino had their epic battle to see who could be on the show the most. Mm. Now, let me ask you before we get into... I do have actual news that we'll get into, by the way. This isn't just a whole show of me patting us on the back. Um, You're not just navel-gazing? <laughs> no. I only came for the navel-gazing today, my friend, so i got to tell you, once you get to the news, I've had enough. <laughs> um, what do you remember about me pitching this show to you when we five years ago? Uh, I don't remember it as a pitching the show to me. You were like, I want to do a podcast, and I was like, I'll probably be on that podcast, and then I was when you started you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of, it wasn't, yeah. you didn't have to sell me. I always knew that you liked podcasts. You would consume a lot of podcasts. I remember when you were doing Famo and the Wookiee back in the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming from even music world, band world, where I was pretty comfortable speaking into microphones and having, yeah. like, thinking we have something to present to the people, right? Yeah. So, when you came up with the idea, I felt like it was going to be inevitable that I would, if not become the person who was just on the show with you every week, I'd be on it quite often. As a correspondent, um, depending what sort of form the show well, took. I mean, initially, I didn't want to, this is going to sound stupid in hindsight, I didn't want to bother you with it. 
Because I was like, it's kind of a big commitment. I didn't really want to. It's not, though. It's not. Now it's not. Especially for me. It never has been. I just have to be home on Monday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which isn't that tough. Like, I don't, you're the one who, you've always got all the notes, all the different things like that, you know? But what a process that's turned out to be over the years. What a changing, shifting process writing this show has turned out to be. It doesn't seem like it, probably, from the outside, because it of course not. feels no. relatively similar, yeah. probably, to what it's always been. 100%. But, I mean, the streamlining I've tried to do over the years has gone all over the place. Well, and a lot of that is you working through your process as well, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of it is kind of figuring out what it is that you want to do and how it works best for you. I forgot we poured whiskey. Here, salute. Five years. Hey. Five years. Indeed. Um, you had to explain to me earlier, because I'm an idiot, that our five-year anniversary doesn't fall on exactly the five-year... It wasn't... Ah, correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it much, was... much like <laughs> Christmas, Halloween, and your very own birthday yeah. can fall on various days of the week... <laughs> Throughout the year, since we do this show every oh, week on man. Monday, the five-year date will be slightly off from the exact date that we started last time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I took me about an hour to figure that out in my brain this month. I was like, wait a second. Did I count this wrong? Is this not the five-year anniversary? Um, hmm. But yeah, so again, thanks to all the folks who've been here since the beginning. I'm sure there might be one or two who've been here. All the, the GFOPs, the great listeners. Uh, we appreciate everybody. Uh, and, you know, the show goes on. I had secretly thought about just stopping the show after today. Like yeah, just, I feel like you're always secretly thinking about stopping the show. I'll tell you the truth. Mm. About six months ago, when I was like in the, the throes of graduation mm-hmm. and just finishing up grad school and really stressed out, mm-hmm. I had privately committed to this being the last episode. Right. I was like, I'm, I, I, can't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm burned out. I, I'm tired of doing it. And then... Over this last two months since I graduated, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been, at least for me, I feel a little more rejuvenated on it. I feel like yeah. I don't have the, the weight of all the the graduation stuff weighing on me, and it's sort of gotten me more more excited to do the shows on Monday now. I'm like, you've, I'm pretty... you've got a lot more time. I mean, you've got sort of more time and, like, you know, time, resources and whatnot right now than you have in quite some time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, compared to, you know, comparatively with being done, like, the summer's off and you're looking for a job, but, like, you don't have a teaching job today because nobody's teaching today. You know, it's summertime. Yeah. Uh, Well, so, yeah, again, folks, thank you for joining us for five years. We'll, we have some history lesson stuff. We don't really talk about this again, so we'll move past it. I see. Uh, I want to shout out all the hosts of the past who've been here. Yeah. The Aaron Higgins, the the Mara Avery Draytons, the Cliff Montonis, the... Mm -hmm. The Justin Parkinson is not really yeah. sort of like the yeah. backup host. He's a long reliever. <laughs> He's a long reliever if you need somebody to come in. yeah. Uh, Kate Riley, who's always been a great, you know. Always down for a always tight down, 15. Tight, <laughs> always ready to do her, her tight comedy she five. She can always do it. Uh, you know, I, I could come up with a list of the people I remember who have been on the show multiple mm-hmm. times. Phil Farda, you know, oh, yeah, Joe, Joe Marino, Sarah Foster, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm missing so many people. So, so oh, many yeah. people who have come on. Many times, and I just want to say I appreciate everybody, and once people feel comfortable coming back in to do live interviews, who knows when that'll be? True. Do you mean, I don't even know when I'm comfortable having people in my house. True. (laughs) Right? But, you know, one day, I'll be able to do the live interviews again. Yeah, yeah. You know, depending on the feedback we get on some of these audio interviews, I'll see about... I don't really... I really don't like doing them. This was... Full disclosure, this is probably the best video interview i've done with anyone mm, because okay. because he, not for nothing he's a practiced politician yeah he's he, polished yeah, he, knows he's, how yeah. To, he can be on yeah, yeah. yeah um he knows what he's like he, doing yeah. yeah yeah so that makes it a little but you know i i'm still not totally comfortable with the video concept but you know 
Get inside your own head about that. I think, yeah, probably. I know how. To, I don't want to look at myself. I just, it's I'm not even that. It's I don't trust the technology. I'm That's always bad. waiting for it to like. I don't like. Well, I've been saying it a lot because you know you see all this like video stuff and all this Zoom kind of things happening. I don't like it. I think it's bad content yep. when people do yep. an interview, but mm-hmm. it's like two boxes on the screen in front of microphones with pop screens and headphones on <laughs> with like grainy webcams. That's bad content. I would rather just listen to it and I'll look at something else. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Let's uh, let's move on to some non-podcast related stuff. I want to get a little response to a tweet that I put out this week that people mm. seem to be responding to. I jokingly put out a tweet from my solo account that said, uh, and I quote, My deepest shame is quoting Fight Club in my high school yearbook. Uh. My deepest shame is quoting Fight Club my high school yearbook. I looked up the quote for folks who want to hear it. Are you ready for this quote, Kev? Are you I, ready? Of course, I mean... You ready to cringe? Sure. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. It's kind of yeah. true, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's not wrong. It's not wrong. I that's think not the, wrong. The context of it coming from Fight Club <laughs> in a certain era makes me cringe when I think about it now, thinking about the kind of dude I would have been to, like, put a Fight Club quote on my wall or something. Have, like, a Fight Club poster. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, you, because it, it's past a certain, like, you're just, that's the difference between being young and being, like, yeah. getting into, like, your more middle ages. You know, you can't just have a Fight Club poster on your wall. Uh, shout out to some folks who responded with uh, people they quoted in their yearbooks. Mm. Uh, listener Kombucha Cowgirl said Shakespeare. Well, that seems like a certain type of, <laughs> a certain type of person, drama club type folks. Little, it depends. Are we yeah. Shakespeare? It's a, I mean, Shakespeare, there's so many depths to plumb, too. Like, yeah, if you're going to do a Shakespeare quote, that's a, that's a project in and of itself. Falstaff. It's, it's the only guy I know. Oh. He, that's one. Who, uh, oh, I bite my thumb at you. That could be a good quote. <laughs> do you bite my thumb at me? No, sir. Romeo and Juliet. Check that one out. That's a good one. Shakespeare. You ever heard of him? Overrated. Romeo, Romeo and Juliet? Now it doesn't do it for me. No. Uh, listener Ken Smith said he quoted Pablo Casals, C-A-S-A-L-S. I had to look that up. He's a cellist of some sort. Beautiful. Uh, he seems like an interesting guy. I didn't do know you have the before. quote? I don't. You I got do that not. entire notebook full. There's two laptops open. You don't have Pablo Casals' quote. I don't Casals have the Pablo Casals quote. I see what's going uh, on. Here. Ooh, GFOP Derek Vincent Crossman said he, uh, he's he got us all beat. He quoted Cosby. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. You know what though? I, I don't begrudge him for that because no, so, at that time, because nobody begrudges anybody for things like that. Like yeah. actually, like it was just a quote you picked. Nobody knew. Uh, and then listener uh, Carolyn Hammertooth said, "I quoted Joe Walsh from the Eagles." <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go, Kev. Do you remember who you quoted in your high school year? So I like at my I, my high school. We didn't have that thing where you have your picture and then words underneath it. You had your name underneath it, right? We didn't do that either. Okay. So, because uh, I know at some places they did, like I don't know, I think like a widespread they had that or whatever. Um, but I we had the thing in the back of the book where they had all the words, like at the back of the yearbook and everything for the the quotes and stuff. Uh, I used a Pearl Jam quote. Uh, it was from the song oh. Release, and it was "I'll ride the wave where it takes me." Mm-hmm. Hey, shout out to Anthony Munns who I gave his high school yearbook quote to because mm. he didn't write one the day of. Uh, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Semi-Sonic. From the song Closing Would time. you, in retrospect, would you rather have that as your quote than the Fight Club? Yeah. Mm. 100%. It would be much more on brand for me. Mm. Closing time? Come on. suppose. I don't think Fight Club's in brand for me anymore. That's because you lost your edge. I did. <laughs> lost my edge. You lost your edge. You're not uh, doing bare knuckle boxing anymore. <laughs> People don't know about you. You used uh, to be out there mixing up fists in basements all over town. 
Uh, so let's, uh, last week, it's not happening anymore. Pivot. It's never Pivot. happening. It's never Pivot. happening. Uh, I, I've, I haven't been in a fight in God knows how long. Since I was a kid, like elementary school, I think, mm. last time we got in a real physical fist fight. That's not true. Fist fight? I've watched you get in fights. Well, not me getting beat up. That's not a fight. Get, like, getting... you, you put up a hell of a stand against a man much bigger than you. Hey. <laughs> Who's to say it was a tie? Uh, all right, let's get into a few news things this week. Again, we're just going to blow through it like we did last week. I have them listed through. We'll get as far as we can. You see today that the FDA has pulled emergency youth authorization of hydrochloroquine uh, for COVID-19. Yeah, of course. That was a made-up thing. <laughs> Fools. The fact that NBC's even reporting this is malpractice. No, FDA, FDA finally announced it today. They said, sorry, we were sending the yeah, use for it. Yeah, of course, it. now that it's, like, passed, now they're, like, yeah. quietly issuing, like, oh, yeah, by the way, that thing, that was complete bullshit. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, COVID is uh, is still a thing. I know that it's not in the headlines uh, as often as it was, but you're seeing a lot of state openings sort of backfiring on people of now. Of course. Have you seen this graph going around that it's essentially moving toward the Midwest and the South right now? Like cases mm. in the Northeast are going down, but it's essentially starting to move its way. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Of course. I was having a great conversation with a good friend of the pod, Cliff Montoni, just hey. last night. We were talking about this a bit. And he was talking about, you know, how come we haven't seen it much up here? And a lot of it is just like, where do people travel to? Hmm. Things have been shut down, you know what I mean? So, of course, you see a bunch in New York City and a lot of larger cities and places like that. But it hasn't it hasn't slowed down in any meaningful way. And anything that has slowed down is stuff that you can attribute specifically to quarantining. Those, none, nothing about those circumstances changed. People have just decided they're bored. It's, you know, it's super weird, too. Like, I was talking to the congressman about this. It's... I'm not naive to why people are like, I'm bored, I want to leave my house. Yeah, for sure. I get it. I'm not... And I'm also stupid. not naive to the people who are like, yo, I make all my money, money. in the summer. Yep. yep. I mean, that's that's me. Like, I'm going to lose a lot of... I've already lost a lot of money because of COVID. You know what I mean? A lot of money that I was supposed to make at various, you know, shows and gigs and engagements and other, mm. you know, stuff like that on the side. I get it. I get it with a lot of people. And I understand that so many people are hurting, but like... I also don't begrudge anybody who went out last weekend, but I will say... I do not feel personally ready for sure to head back wanna, out into the world. I don't really want to go out that bad before the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's, just, that's half joking, but like, I'll be all. I'm not. I'm in no rush to get out there and start rubbing up against people in public again. I'm just, no, I'm with uh, you. And you know what I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm like I, I like all these places that are open back up. I hope they're all for sure. And that's the thing. I don't want to see these places close. I'm not against small business. Right? Like 100%. I want I want to see these businesses survive and if mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, following some sort of protocol to do it safely then yeah, do your thing, right? I just feel like most people I've talked to in my little bubble, mm-hmm. no one I know feels particularly ready to just like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, back I at think it. that's a big thing, you know, with a lot of places and people and I think that's why I think a lot of these small business owners should be getting a lot more help, you know, all this money is just cuz mm-hmm. the Spent so much money with no oversight on corporations, small businesses are sort of getting kicked to the wayside. I mean, I think there's a lot more we can be doing to ensure that a lot of these places aren't lost without forcing them out there to, you know, you're seeing all these people push so hard right now because they know they're not going to move for that long. So they're just trying to get as much money as they can while the getting's good, you know, and it's wild. It's wild times right now. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of talk about second wave, first wave. What seems mm-hmm. to be happening is the second wave hasn't happened because the first wave is still occurring. This is still essentially the first wave. So yeah, we don't yeah. even, yeah. Yeah, and that, again, nothing's, nothing's <laughs> nothing stopped. Nothing has changed. Yeah, nothing's I stopped. understand the weather is nice. I know it's summer now. Oh. I get they're all bored. I totally get it, man. But, like, nothing changed. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, let's talk about some good news today. Sure. Good news? 
in a landmark case, the Supreme Court ruled that LGBTQ workers are protected from job discrimination six to three in the yeah, Supreme yeah. Court today. Really, really great shock, stuff. In the shock ruling six to three. Wasn't expecting to go six three. No, Gorsuch. People are like uh, giving Gorsuch credit for, for jumping today. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, that's where I that's kinda how today. I felt about it too, right? It's mm-hmm. like, ah, today. Today. But, but yeah, today. Today. Do you know what I mean? Like today. I love it. I love to see it today. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, you know, it just I'm I'm so happy to see all the people who don't like it. <laughs> I yeah, you love to see that. I it's so much has happened. We've gone so far yeah. across the Rubicon at this point yeah. that when I was reading about this today, I almost forget that there's people who are still like against gay rights. And that's certainly my privilege showing as like a straight white dude, hundred yep. percent. I'm mm-hmm. aware of that. Mm-hmm. But like it just seems so foreign to me that there's still people who are Fighting tooth and nail, salivating, foaming at the mouth about making sure that just like the two bros that, that love each other can't get married. That's crazy to me. How could you ever care that much? You know what was a big wake up for me with that was when I was living in New York and I was working at the restaurant. Um, again, most of the people I work with, I was in the minority. They were like actors, gay mm-hmm. dudes, a lot of mm-hmm. gay dudes, a lot of lesbians, a lot of LGBTQ2 sure. folks, whatever. Like that's, that's New York City. Even there, even in the liberal capital of the world, right, whatever you want to call it, um, you saw a lot of people discriminate against every day because mm-hmm. of who they are. It's not like New York is some liberal bastion. Like oh, the, for sure. Tons and tons of people live in New York. Mm-hmm. And even there, you would see, like, you know, you'd see discrimination every day. I just, that's one, that boggles my mind. I mean, it all, it all boggles my mind, yeah. but that's just, you know, crazy. So good for them for doing the right thing today. You know, another a step in the right direction. You like to get the good news wherever you can get it nowadays. Yeah. Uh, so... Let's keep a little bit of good news going. Uh, earlier this week, the 5A Shield Law was repealed in the state of New York, which uh, gives a measure of accountabilities to families touched by police brutality. Uh, 50A uh, allowed, essentially allowed disciplinary records to be kept out of public view. Right. Yeah. Which, 100% wrong. Public view. <laughs> public, public view. view. Transparency. Public view. Uh, That's the biggest problem is all these, as everybody... Just protecting, like, the, the bad guys. Yeah, everybody should know. You should never be able to get a job as a cop again if you do some wild shit like that. Yeah. Oh, you can't get a job? I, so? I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't care about you. I don't care about you for that at all. I'm sorry if I don't, but, like, people can't get a job if they get convicted for having an ounce of weed. So if you can't get a job because you stepped on some guy's neck or shot him, and you're like, oh, my poor family, I, don't be a criminal. I always try and relate everything to, like, teaching, right? So I've seen some people argue, like, you know... Uh, why those cops didn't stop Chavin from killing George Floyd? Like, why the other three guys didn't do it? They're all, oh, well, you know, they're, just, they're work people. I'm like, dude, if I'm a teacher and I'm in the hallway and another teacher is strangling a student, I'm going to stop that teacher from strangling that student, whether or not they're a teacher or not. It's yeah, just, that's well, that's completely different, though. Do, uh, that's completely different. Yeah, that's completely different for teachers. Yeah, because for cops, like if those uh, the cop that stands up and says mm-hmm. something. That cop is now targeted, victimized, and harassed by the mm. other cops for being like, oh, look at you, you're a traitor, you're a snitch, you're a rat. Mm. What are you taking sides against the family? You know what I mean? And then their life <laughs> gets like, made a living hell for that, yeah. so they do the thing to protect themselves. I mean, it's cowardly, it's gross, but like for them, that's the reality. You know what I mean? Like Other teachers aren't going to be like, hey, we're going to ice out Mr. Femilaro because he stopped that guy from mm-hmm. choking the student. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I, that's, I guess that's where my problem lies. I'm always thinking about this from the headspace of, like, if it happened in an education setting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It would be very different. 
It would yeah, all play because, out differently. Because educators aren't out of control of terrorizing <laughs> the population. Like, I don't know. A couple of bad apples. Yeah, uh, spoil the bunch is what happens. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Um, earlier this week, one million people signed a petition calling for the KKK to be declared a terrorist group. Uh, the most surprising part about this for me was that they were not already <laughs> a terrorist group. They are classified currently as a domestic extremist group. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the differentiation is. I'd have to look They're it up. They're white. Ah. Yeah, there you go. go. There it is. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've signed a lot more petitions this week than I normally do. Good. <laughs> As you should be. As you should be. Keep it up. We can always sign petitions. Uh, let's do something a little funnier. Let's talk about uh, Zodiac Killer and Melted Potato Face Ted Cruz for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted, Ted Cruz is on the internet right now. Arguing with 70-year-old actor Ron Perlman mm-hmm. and challenging him to fight fellow conservative uh, Senate member Jim Jordan. Uh, have you noticed this Ted Cruz-Ron Perlman interaction going on on the internet? Yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, Ted Cruz and Jim Jordan continue to be terrible, terrible people. <laughs> Jim Jordan covered up sexual abuse uh, at the, the Wichmacala College that he used to be in charge of. He covered up sexual abuse with a bunch of different people by yeah. the wrestling coaches and the wrestling program. Perlman called him out for that and nobody responded to it. Ted Cruz, classic, like... Classic dork crybaby from like <laughs> high school. Like he's out here, he's like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna have to fight my friend. My friend's gonna beat you up. Oh, you better not be mean to me on Twitter, or else you're gonna have to fight my friend Jim. He's on the wrestling team." It's like, do you have some self-respect for yourself? No, they don't have any help. Well, of course not. I mean, but just like, here's what I made me laugh about about the Zodiac Killer out there today on Twitter. <laughs> he is doing that thing that people who are bad at social media do, mm-hmm. where it's like they're getting burned. And they're doubling down. And they're trying to double down. It's like, no, he burned me. I got to get him back. No, it's like, done. no. No, delete your account, no. bro. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it's Just over. tap out. You've lost. It's uh, over. Yeah, that, that gave me a little bit of joy uh, earlier today. Um, yeah, shout out to Ron Perlman. Yeah, good for Ron. I like Ron Perlman. <laughs> good, good for Ron. Nice guy. You know, I think it's funny. All the locals who saw him around town when he was filming around here in mm-hmm. Little Falls said he could not have been a nicer guy. Everybody I talked to who like ran across him, a couple various restaurants and bars and stuff like that. Um... So, we're going to have to probably talk about Trump a little bit today. I have two segments that sort of touch on Trump. We haven't really talked. Did you see him uh, walking down that ramp? <laughs> we're going to talk about ramp, Kate. You want to talk did about you hear, now? Did you hear me last week on the podcast say, wait for him to fall on TV? <laughs> did you hear that? And then did, did you see him not able to sip the water walking down the ramp? I did. Again I with did. the water? Can I? Can, I'm just going to, because it's our, it's our five-year anniversary. It's been a while since I've done it. I'm going to bust out a little Trump voice here for you. Oh, no. This is the tweet from June 13th that he put out addressing... His ramp walking. The ramp that I descended after my West Point commencement speech was very long and steep, had no handrails, and most importantly, was very slippery. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to do is fall for the fake news to have fun with. If he fell, he would pretend that he didn't. We know that, right? He would just be like, no, I didn't, I didn't fall. Nobody saw it. Like, it's on camera. No. Final ten feet. I ran down to ground level. Yeah, right there. That's a lie. Momentum. The whole ramp was like 10 feet. The final 10 feet of the The ramp. final 10 he's, feet. He's making up stuff because he can't understand his reality because he has dementia. Yeah. It's called confabulation. <laughs> like, this is this is a term that exists in differential diagnosis for various types of frontotemporal dementia. So, yeah. I don't Yeah, watch him. Watch him. Because you saw him walking. A, Homeboy's not well. He's a tough watch. He's uh, not well. We'll talk about him again for just a moment. Great. Because uh, he's mad. He's big mad. Every day. Uh, at FIFA. 
Uh, I don't know if you knew this. He's been pretty angry with the U.S. women's national soccer team. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, because they attempted, they oh, kneeled during the national anthem, yeah. and he women. didn't like it. Women. Yep. Right. Uh, Trump had retweeted something that Matt Gates had said, another loser. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd rather the U.S. not have a soccer team than the soccer team that won't stand for the national anthem. That was, mm. that was the quote. Wow. Well, FIFA today came out in favor of the women's national team and appealed for tolerance, mutual respect, and common sense, which is very rough for me to be supporting FIFA. It's like we were talking about Neil Gorsuch earlier. It's like, they were good today. Right. Today they did a good yeah, thing. Yeah. I don't believe that they 100%. do good things all well, that, the time. That's, that's the weird time. That's the world we live in. It's like when the Juggalos were going after the white supremacists. I'm like, yeah. wow, I'm on Team Juggalo because that's it's, the world we live in. Now. It's <laughs> the topsy-turvy world where I'm like, good for you, FIFA, you super corrupt organization. Check out your human rights records, but I appreciate what you did on this one. Yeah. Um, every once in a while. Every once in a while, broken clock and all that. Uh, all right, so that's... No, but that's exactly what you're talking about, right, though, with the Ted Cruz thing, where it's like, you just make it worse by answering and having this terrible answer. Mm-hmm. This, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, actually, it was, like, really steep, and, like, I know everybody's making fun of me, but aren't they stupid? Like, I'm Brad made it. Just don't say anything about it, man. Like, you make it worse by addressing it. Uh, just a quick side note. Uh, sports seem to be back-ish. All the sports except baseball seem to be pretty much back now, right? NBA is not back. Well, they're, they're announced to be back, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, six weeks. Are you excited for the Lakers? You think they, Will you still be excited if, they're, if they... Oh, you'll still be excited if they win the title, obviously. Of course. Are you are you looking forward to, to the playoffs? I don't even know. Sure. <laughs> I mean, as much as I'm looking forward to anything else, I suppose. I Soccer's back on playoffs. Wednesday. Yeah. I see, Liverpool can win the title this weekend mm-hmm. by beating Justin's team at home. That'd think about nice. that for me. That'd I could nice. watch Liverpool win the first title in 30 years while... Beating Justin's crummy team. God, it's mm-hmm. great. Hearing your very own home. Really setting into its own. Turning, turning the page on 2020. What a time. You know? What a time. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's take a break. Like I said, uh, I'm going to go down to, this, to Studio B down the street, and I'm going to see if I can find the, the interview that I lost with Heather. Mm. If I can find it, what we're going into is a quick 10, 15-minute check-in with our old pal Heather, uh, where we talked a little bit about when she's planning on coming back. Um, but if not, we'll go directly into our 22-minute conversation with Congressman Anthony Brindisi joining the Five Timers Club here on the Uticast podcast. We had a great conversation. We talked about the big mess that is the stimulus checks that were sent out that everyone's throwing away, uh, the two awards that he just recently won earlier this week. We'll talk about his journey, about where where he is now from where he was on November 7th, 2016, when he first came on the show as the 119th District Assemblyman. Really great conversation. And again, I appreciate him making time for us here on our five-year anniversary. So we'll be back to the show in just a moment. I can hear you. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, I see you're in your room again. <laughs> yes, I'm in the 
the Riley Studios, where I'll have to do both interviews today. You are the pre-interview that I'm doing uh, before Congressman Brindisi comes on at five o'clock. Yay! Yeah, he'll be coming back. Do you have any questions for him? Can I can I get your questions I now? I could have thought of it ahead of time, but no, I don't have any at this moment. Just, uh, anything, just text it to text. me. Yeah, send me a text and I'll, I'll ask him. Uh, but he'll be on uh, a little bit later, but I, I couldn't do our five-year anniversary show uh, without checking in with our favorite uh, satellite <laughs> co-host who is stuck out at home, uh, Heather Waz. Heather, it's good to see you. Good to see good your face. Thank you. Here. <laughs> how's how's life uh, at the house uh it's the same i'm like watching everybody kind of come out of quarantine a little bit and i'm like mm. so skeptical right now so i've just been kind of like in limbo what do i what i do what do i do so. yeah there's a real uh that's actually a good place to start because i know it's been a conversation everywhere i've seen people talking about it on twitter and facebook about how much we should be leaning into going back out into the world. I am uh, a little bit of a scaredy cat. So Same. I'm not super. I, I mean, for you, I understand you, you have kids, right? You have, you, you have a child, pardon me, and your husband. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but like your concern has got to be what I don't want a chance bringing something home and getting Kaz sick. Mm -hmm. Right. For me, it's, it's just. Yeah, go ahead. No, I say for me, it's just that I, I don't feel like being sick at the house for however long. <laughs> yeah, like if it's worse than the flu and I've had the flu, I don't want it. But the big thing is, is we see Kaz's grandparents every week because kids doesn't, Kaz doesn't have any cousins nearby or kids to play with. We, he goes to his grandparents a lot and that's kind of like his, his thing. So we can't afford to get them sick. I mean, really yeah. it comes down to, um, being able to make sure they're okay and Kaz is okay. I mean, obviously they say it's not affecting kids a lot, but I don't want to take that chance of my son getting sick. So, you know, yeah. or others. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I, I, I'm not naive to how everyone feels about everything. Like I, I get that people are ready to go back out into the world, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not stupid. I'll put it this way. When the haircut stuff happened a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, we're opening up barbershops again, Gentleman's Corner Barbershop, they're opening up. Yeah. I was like, cool. I was in no rush to wait in line for three hours to be the first person to get a haircut. I did go get a haircut. I just went later. I just yeah. went like, yeah. I just let it like calm down a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's what'll happen here. I think, I think people are ready to go back maybe in a few more weeks once everyone's died down a little bit then yeah i'll chance heading back out into the world but yeah I don't, I, I don't know i just feel like i feel alone right now like i'm some weirdo mm -mm. because everybody's like quarantines now that we're coming out of quarantine and, and everybody we should reflect and look back as we're leaving out of quarantine we're not out of quarantine have you not been listening that 23 states just increased in their covid cases how are, are Am I on a magical planet? Like, where am I? No, I'm with you. And I, I mean, I'm like, really, I feel like I'm like, I'm some like freaking hypochondriac weirdo who's wearing a, still holds a mask on me when we go places and still like looking out for others. And I'm, I don't know. Like, I don't think you should feel bad about that, number one. I mean, that is the mentality I think we're all supposed to have. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I swear to God, I know it sounds stupid. I think if this was the winter time, people wouldn't care as much. 
Yeah, because we always suck inside. Because we suck inside anyway. It wouldn't matter. Um, right. I think there's, you know, I think it's a lot of things. One, we are, if you've been on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that over the last couple of months, we are a country that does not like to be told what to do ever for any reason whatsoever. Like, oh, you're telling me I have to do this? I'm not going to do it. That's like a very American mentality. And I, not saying I agree with it, but I, I understand it. It exists in the world and you're seeing it play out actively when you drive down Varick Street last Thursday and there's a thousand people in the street. It's, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'm not begrudging, mind you, I'm not begrudging any of these businesses. If you have to sure. your business back up to stay, to stop yourself from staying closed forever, then I, I, I'm not one to tell you don't open your business back up. I get it. Yeah, I'm not telling you not to open. I'm just saying at least consider the other the people and, and do what yeah. you're supposed to do. Follow all the protocols. I can't down you for that, you know, I, I can't. I, I, I totally agree, they need to run their business. They just need to do it right, you know, um, that's it. Have you, uh, have, I think, I don't know if we asked you this last time you were on, have you decided where you, the first place you'd like to go once you're back out into the world is? Well, I'm going to like either the Beer Hub or, or Nail Creek. I have to admit, I almost got talked into the Beer Hub a couple nights ago, but then the yeah. people- Yeah, and I've been walking by it looking and going, I think we could just sit right outside there. It'll be perfectly fine. So I feel like that's going to happen sooner than I think. Um, well, no, I think that's coming. Uh, also, something else that's coming up that's not uh, on topic with the reopening of Utica is Father's Day. That's this weekend. It is the, the yeah. 21st. Uh, you don't get anything for Zach for Father's Day, do you? No, but we usually go up to Lake Placid mm. and do something. Like last year, we did some hikes with Kaz, and we stayed up there. And I'm still thinking about trying to do it. I'll yeah. go to Lake Placid and play around up there, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that almost makes me like something you would have done anyway. It's like you guys would have yeah, like three weeks and hit out from everybody. I don't feel like my life has really been that much disturbed from this whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm still doing what we normally do. So. Are you doing the, uh, the unemployment thing? You don't yes. have to answer that again. No, I don't care. I was laid off. So yeah, yeah I'm making happy money right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it in the show with Kevin eventually. Uh, have you seen their, you know, the, the extra money you get from, from the, un the unemployment only goes through the end of this month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the end of July. I'm sorry. So I just got it like two weeks ago. And now I'm like, man, I wish I had done this earlier. Yeah, I've been saving. I can't even tell you my savings account right now. I'm saving so much money. Like, I'm... I've never had this much money in my account. I'm just saving. I said this to somebody earlier this week, and I've had a couple people push back on me for saying it. And I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's just something I've been thinking about. I wonder if after this is all over, right, if we get back to some semblance of what we would call a normal, will people be more willing to accept something like universal basic income like Andrew Yang was talking about? Will people get used to wanting to have this amount of money coming in every month? No. Oh. I mean, I find it as, I find, I find as like, I would love to have it. And now that's my goal. Like this is yeah. what I'm making to be happy. Like yeah. I just realized I found the, the point of where I'm happy. Um, yeah. And I, but I put in my mindset that I need to save this because I'm probably not going to be making this much once I yeah. find work again, but it would be neat. Like that would be nice to have a universal income like that. I could be happy. This is perfect for me. Like I'm into buying furniture and all sorts of things. I have. I have nothing else I've to been, do. I don't decorate. And I've been decorating. I've been so. really gun shy about buying anything, uh, but I did go buy a new pair of sneakers 
and I did pay off all my bills that I was definitely behind on, which yeah. was a nice moment, which is the best. Yeah, credit cards. Uh, and that's really the thing, you know. I mean, like, I, it's funny. Once I had money that I knew was coming back into my income, I felt okay to like pay all my cell phone bills. Yeah. <laughs> Our bills. What a what yeah. a surprise. I'm like, this laid off thing wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> and say so I saved up money and now, I, but now it's getting back out there trying. I think the problem is, is looking for a job is deciding what field I want to go in now that there's a pandemic and what's going to happen. Like, do I put myself right back out there again? And, and I'm nervous. Like, I'm nervous to go back out there and try to figure out where I want to go and what I want to do. Because I've, well, you're, you're very multi-talented. You could do almost anything you apply yourself to. It just depends if it, right. it seems for you, it feels like, at least in my opinion, you feel like, I feel like you need a place where you are going to be challenged to do something every day, where it doesn't feel like you're getting stuck in the same sort of like rhythm all the time yeah. over and over and over again. I can't survive like that. Like, yeah. it, it makes me depressed. I mean, I've been, I've been doing the whole process right now where I'm, like applying for teaching jobs, which I didn't know how this whole thing worked. And essentially it's just an online thing, but it's, yeah. you know, it's really just going on there and checking every day to see what's available. But yeah. right now, no one's really sure what teaching will look like. Yeah. So I, I don't even know when we're scheduling interviews. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm sure I have to do some sort of phone interview somewhere along the way. Uh, but yeah, it's scary. I, I'm with you on that. I don't know what we, I wonder if people will even want to go back. I know a lot of waiters in New York who are like, I make more money now than I ever made waiting tables, which is. Yeah. So. And a lot of parents don't want to send their kids back yet until they know like that things are good. For well, school. Have, you, have you and Zach talked about that? Well, Cass doesn't start kindergarten until next year. Thank God. Right. Um, right. Right. School is a small. Did you hear that? I can hear him yelling about kindergarten. No kindergarten for me. He's not going to any of the bigger kids' schools. We heard you. You're good. I love it. I, I respect him for not wanting to go to any of the bigger kids' schools. They're all jerks. Those so, uh, he goes, but um, no, preschool is, um, you know, our preschool is good right now. She's virtual, so she gets it. Um, I I um, don't know. if if I know all the families that go there, so I know what they're all doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little skeptical on some, like putting him there. So I don't know. I, he needs to see kids. He hasn't seen kids in 90 days. It's been 95 days since he hasn't seen kids. So he, yeah, so it's been over three months since he's played with anybody. So today he has his first social distance and play date. How does that work? I don't know. We're going to see. Kaz is all about his mask putting on. We get too close to it, but they're going to ride bikes. So, oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> you know, it'll definitely, they're definitely going to get so excited to see another human being that it'll yeah. be like a big thing. I feel like that'll yeah, be a big part of it. Yeah, this little boy hasn't seen anybody. And Kaz does have cousins. Well, he doesn't have any that live here in this state. So he hasn't seen anybody. He's just, but he's great. I mean, the kid is, if anything, he's thrived through this. So I, I haven't had to worry, really. Um, well, I mean, that's it's actually kind of good. I was thinking about that. I, so this wouldn't have been his first year of school anyway. He wouldn't have been starting this year. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you don't have to you don't have to dodge that bullet for another for another. I know I wouldn't. Be, I don't think I said in school. I'd learn how to homeschool. I guess I don't. I don't even know what I do. I don't. I just I'd be sad that he'd have to start kindergarten virtually or something because I don't understand how that would even work. So. So I have to go back. I'm looking through uh, the history of the show here. I'm trying to figure out. Now we've talked about it before. Today is our five year anniversary of the podcast. 
And I don't remember exactly when you joined the show officially. I've tried to figure this out over the last couple of months. and I can't pinpoint the exact episode when it happened. Do you remember the first? I, I go back to when we were at in 2017, right? 2017. When we had that picture done of the three of us. At MVCC. It was right before that it started. Right before that like, picture, which I posted last week yeah. on the internet for people to see. So, yeah. yeah, if you've seen that picture, it was right before then. But I'm actually trying to go all the way back to the beginning here because you were on the er, one of the, the eighth episode of the show. Yeah. You could go back yep. all the way to August 16th, 2015, on episode oh eight. That's correct. Uh, Heather was in studio as our special guest, and you were talking about your journey from retail work to online business to new storefront with your Topping Tree store. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I don't think I'd ever go back to that again. <laughs> it was well, fun. That was my question for you. Like, I even noticed when we talk to people, if we're out in public, if I see you around people, people still bring up the Topping Tree to you. Oh, being... I still get messages for it. Like where like people can get ha at least headbands and stuff i just got one like last week i'm like i mean i'm happy i loved it like i i loved it but it i don't love fashion enough <laughs> i don't know how to explain it like i don't know i love the idea of what i was doing and i loved the people and i loved i thrived off like taking something so small and making it big and figuring out ways to get people to buy from me those were all fun things i just don't i i enjoyed that part more than owning the business. I like talking to people about how to do it. You know, people would come in the store and sit with their laptop for hours being like, how do you do this? And explaining it to them for free. And uh, <laughs> I mean, but full disclosure, I, don't I mean, full disclosure, I used to come in there just because like, I didn't know what to get whoever I was dating for like a birthday party. I was like, please come help me. <laughs> I was like, please help me find a gift that my girlfriend will like. <laughs> and you guys it were- was, It was fun. If I didn't have Kaz, I probably would have, would have, stayed with it for a lot longer mm -hmm. um but it's hard to juggle mom and i wasn't willing to give up him for any of the time for the store that well i think sense. that's no that that's that makes total sense and i'm sure that that's something that a lot of you know mothers especially younger mothers have you know probably struggled to come to some sort of context with like yeah did, i just wasn't willing to do it but i'm i'm working on some things i still have my llc for it and everything i'm just i'm playing around with ideas right now in my head that i don't yeah. feel like sharing yet because they're just ideas in my head that will come out like not making sense <laughs> um, i i hate so, to put you on the spot how long can so our listeners can know because i'm sure they're curious how long do you think it will be before you feel comfortable coming back into the actual studio oh god I knew you were going to say that today. Did you? <laughs> no, I know. Listen, I got listen there, is, there is no pressure for you to come back in the studio. I personally, I, I know you I want to. I know you want to. I just mean, even on my end, I am not sure when the day is coming when I'm going to have a live person in studio again. Like, I, I don't know when that's happening. I just don't know. You know what I mean? Who's not Kevin or Justin? We have zero cases. Here, hang on, Heather, I, I think I lost you for a second. You still there? Did you lose me? No, so, yeah, repeat yourself one more time. I'm sorry. Okay. okay, that's okay. It looks like my internet connection is... Um, when there's zero, Pete, when there's zero cases. When there's like, zero cases. We have, Very can you hear me? Yeah, when there's zero, sorry about that. No, can that's all right. Can you hear right. me now? I can hear you. No, you're good. 
um, um, I think when there's like, you know, we're, we're, we're going down and there's, you know, we've gone a few days, you know, consecutive without any cases. Cause Oneida County is one of the bigger counties. Yeah. We are one of the, mm -hmm. the worst ones right now. I just, I'm going to wait until that. That's when you'll see me back in. Well, That's good. And again, no pressure. Of course, you are free and welcome to come in whenever you want. Whenever you feel no, I ready. Kevin too. I haven't seen Kevin in forever. I haven't seen Kevin all day. I don't even know what he's up to. I don't even know where he is. Oh, where he is could he? Be a... How's he doing? I don't know. I haven't talked to him. You okay. <laughs> I only see him when we do the podcast. We barely talk to each other during the week. That's not true. Uh, yeah. Heather, I want to thank you so much. Um, I have to go edit this and make sure that when we that this works, you are essentially also not where, you, first off, we're very happy you're here. You're also our test run to make sure the recording works for when Anthony- Oh, good. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> Heather, we love you very much. We miss you. Uh, give your son and husband uh, a kiss and a hug from all of us, and we hope you're staying safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Woo, bye, baby. So I guess uh, I'll just dig into it then and we'll get sure. started. Uh, Congressman, and that's the first time I've been able to actually call you that as a <laughs> member of the show. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank um, you. The last time, well, the first time you were on the show, uh, and again, we really appreciate you coming to do this today, um, was on November 7th, 2016. Uh, you wow. were the 119th District Assemblyman. Uh, it was our 72nd episode of the show. Uh, and at the time, which sounds so far away, uh, we talked about uh, the different jingles that we knew from law firms, because we were talking about your, you and your father. <laughs> and we also talked about what had happened in this world of political discourse. And uh, that seems just as relevant as ever now today. I, I don't know th if things have improved since then. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I do want to congratulate you as well. Um, you know, this is our fifth anniversary show. And again, we're very we always are very grateful that you gave us so much time over the years. This is your fifth time being on the show. So congratulations. Uh, Thank you for giving us all this time. We always appreciated it. Uh, but you also earlier this week, it looks like you won two awards that were presented to you. Uh, the Abraham Lincoln uh, leadership for America award and the yep. Jefferson Hamilton award for bipartisanship. Uh, and you are one of only five members of Congress to receive both distinctions. That's uh, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, the uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, uh, does these awards, and they really encourage bipartisanship, and that's something that we have made a, a hallmark of of the office. And it was great to get that war award, and and then to learn you get the the other one too for leadership, and you're one of five members of Congress, both in the House and Senate. It was pretty cool to to get that, but it's uh, it's much appreciated. Well, you know, even going all the way back to our conversations early on, you had always talked about you know working you know, across the aisle and working with everybody to, to, you know, to give back to your constituents. You know, we're, we're five years on uh, almost from the first time we talked. How does this roller coaster ride feel now that you look back on all these last five years? Does it feel, how does it feel when you wake up every day looking around and be like, wow, we really, we really did it? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's been a challenge. I mean, especially the, the last uh, year and a half since I yeah. took office in 2018, um, since being elected to Congress, uh, you know, I, Someone was saying to me the other day, do you realize all the 
events that you've been through the last year and a half as a member of Congress? I mean, you, you started uh, Congress during a, a government shutdown. We've gone through impeachment. We've gone through almost being on the brink of war with Iran. Now we're dealing with a global pandemic uh, and, and racial tensions that we probably haven't seen in this country since the, the late 60s. So uh, there's been a lot of, uh, I guess, history making moments over the last year and a half. And uh, you know, certainly couldn't couldn't have foreseen that uh, when I first uh, uh, got elected. But it's been it's been fascinating. And I think about it from the education standpoint. You know, I, I just finished my uh, my master's degree, and I'm looking to get back into you know ready to start teaching. And as a history teacher, I I'm concerned <laughs> looking forward at how we're going to be able to look back at this time and make sense. It you know I think as a student of history it's easy for me to say, you know, you look back at what happened in history and I, and I hope that, you know, you know, the teachers and the educators going forward are able to like accurately portray what's going on to our kids. It's something I'm, especially now with the way education looks going forward. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's what's so interesting is that um, although we've made such, such great advances in our, our country over the last uh, couple hundred years in terms of race relations, uh, we're still uh, so many of the, the same issues that, uh, we've been dealing with uh, since the Civil Rights Act passed in the 60s are still present today. And it's, you know, it may, it takes a different form, but there's so many things that we still have to confront and so many things, so many uh, wrongs that we have to right. Um, and that's kind of coming to a head right now in our country. Do you, um, do you find yourself feeling hopeful for change in this time? I feel like a lot of people are having this discussion about everything that's going on and now it feels like real change is possible. Have you been feeling that sort of hopefulness as well? I do. I, I would say you know, the, the last couple of months have been pretty tough. I've been, they've been tough on everybody. Um, people are out of work. You got small yeah. businesses that are shut down. You got farmers that are hurting and dumping milk. Um, so there's been a lot of challenges uh, for, for, the whole, for the whole state, for the whole country the last couple of months. So it's easy to lose hope in a situation like that. And then you see a lot of um, the protests that have been going on, some of them turning violent uh, and, and some of them turning to looting. Uh, which is unfortunate and taking yeah. away from from the underlying message there. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to maintain hope. Uh, you know, yeah. I, as a student of history like you are, Sam, you, you look back in our nation's history, we've had times like this before. I mean, yeah. we have been divided. We've we've gone to war with each other over yeah. over the divisions yeah. in this country. Um, so you know, you 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 start to lose a little hope when you see some of the things going on. Then you realize this is a great country. We've gotten through this before. We'll rise above it, and we just got to stay strong and keep going, keep moving forward. Um, so uh, I do also want to talk a bit about uh, about the pandemic, uh, which is something that almost feels as though it's become a secondary point of conversation in the country with everything that's going on, which is very dangerous. It feels like that we've sort yeah. of moved beyond. Almost feels like we've sort of moved beyond that discussion, but we're sort of seeing this conversation where you know, we're, we're starting to reopen the states and we're seeing, you know, different numbers. Can you explain just for our listeners what it must be, like what it's like to have to go through all these decisions about businesses that need to be reopened and like health, it must be so much that you have to take into account. Yeah, uh, you know, in, in Congress, I mean, our, our big focus has kind of been on, on the stimulus packages yeah. and, and trying mm -hmm. to get money to people who are out of work, uh, businesses that are shut down and so far, since uh, since March, we've passed uh, four separate coronavirus response bills. Yes. Um, we've created new government programs like the Paycheck Protection Program to help small businesses, stimulus checks, uh, unemployment, all of that. So it's really been trying to respond to the needs of uh, of, the, of the country and the businesses and people who are out of work right now. 
and I, I don't think we're through the through the woods yet. I think that you're starting to yeah. see um, it's not even a second wave. It's really a spike in the first wave yes. uh, in some of these states that opened too early. Yeah. And uh, that's a concern because this virus is still here. We made, you know, the weather's nice and we're getting outside, but it's still around. And if we don't continue to try and be safe and, and do the social distancing and wear the face mask when you're in public, I know it's, it's frustrating and it's annoying, but uh, until there's a vaccine, we're, we're still going to be, we're still going to have the situation. And what we don't want to see, what would be devastating to our economy is if we get into the fall and you see a, 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 a true second wave of this, yeah. like we, you saw uh, with the Spanish flu, come back, force businesses to shut down again, that would have some really devastating consequences on our economy. Um, so if we continue to do things safely, hopefully we'll get through this. Uh, I have to be honest, I, that makes me feel very good to hear that. Um, I know that, you know, and I, it feels strange. I'm not, I understand the people who are like, I can't stay in my house, I'm cooped up. I understand that notion, but yeah. there's a certain almost courtesy to your fellow man that I feel like we have to keep in mind. And right after everyone's cooped up for so long, I think people sort of forget that. But, yeah. you know, I just, I hope that we don't see, I hope we don't pay by losing a lot more people because of it. I hope that that's not what this comes down to. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, we've yeah. lost over 110,000 people in the country to COVID. Um, New York's numbers are looking good right now. I mean, we went through a real rough patch there in March and April and May, um, and especially down in, in the city area. Uh, but we're starting to do do the right things. We're opening safely. People seem to be respecting the guidelines. You see other states where that's not happening right now, and you see places like Texas and Florida and Arizona where the numbers are starting to spike up again, and that's that's going to hurt them and, and may force uh, some some uh, states to have to look at their reopening plans. Um, I want to move on to talk about the stimulus checks. Actually, you just mentioned it. Uh, you've been I've been seeing you talking about it on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, a lot of people are either throwing these checks away or not realizing, how did this all sort of happen? I've seen a lot of the stories sort of come up recently. Yeah, I IRS and the Treasury Department are, are a cluster. I mean, that's mm. basically what it comes down to. They, you know, they, 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 they sent out these checks initially uh, to people who were signed up through direct deposit. So if you had direct deposit, you, you were already getting that Correct. through there. I'm sorry, my phone's going up. So oh, no, that's okay. Hopefully someone answers that. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, for folks who weren't signed up for direct deposit, uh, they started sending out these debit cards. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if you saw them, um, yes. but we got a lot of calls into our office. You get these, this debit card. It doesn't say it's from U.S. Treasury. It doesn't say it's from IRS. Yeah. It doesn't even look like it's from the federal government. And like all of us, we get you know, hundreds of these solicitations every month in our mailbox from credit card companies. Yeah. Most people just see it and throw it away. Uh, and, and we got, we started getting calls from people saying, I think I threw away my, my stimulus card, which uh, has $1,200 on it. Um, so we're, we're calling on IRS to, to uh, replace those, do an audit to see who did not cash their debit card, who did not activate it, uh, and make sure that they know that their debit card is, uh, is actually their stimulus. And if we're going to do future rounds of stimulus, which is something that's in the works, uh, you got to educate people on how it's being rolled out. Don't just send them a blank uh, envelope and expect them to think it's from the, from the treasury. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's funny too, because I had read that. I'd been started seeing it in news articles and I was like, you know what? I, it feels like something that, no, I'm, I'm a direct deposit guy anyway, but that mm -hmm. feels like something that I would have done, especially in my, let's call it younger and more irresponsible <laughs> days where I'm like, is this a bill I'm throwing it? I'm not, you know, I, right. And, and that's a really scary thing for, I know, you know, I know a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And if that money doesn't show up for them when they think it's coming, it can really be devastating for a lot of people, you know? 
And I think there's a lot to be said about that as well as a lot of people who are relying on this unemployment that's been coming yeah. in. And yeah, I know absolutely. That, now I know that there's uh, July 31st is the cutoff date for this expansion on um, right. unemployment. Is that something that people are discussing around you? Is there like um, questions for what happens after that? There is, um, and it's kind of you kind of kind of strike strike the right balance here because mm -hmm. there there are some folks who who have gotten that additional six hundred dollars uh, unemployment and have been asked by their employer to go back to work because now as, as businesses are reopening they want workers back and a lot of folks are saying, you know, I'm getting more money on unemployment I'm not yes. coming back which is technically you're in violation of the the program you could get in trouble yeah. for it um, and then you have some folks who are still out of work because the business shut down completely. Um, and there's no job for them. Uh, so you have to kind of strike the right balance here. What do we do past July 31st? You know, I'd like to look at incentivizing workers who can get back to work. If there's a job there, we got to get you back to that job. You cannot, you know, be relying on unemployment if you have a, have a job there. And for folks who are still out of work, who, whose business has just evaporated, um, we got to look at how we can help uh, continue support for them so they can continue to feed their families and, and pay their bills and uh, pay rent and mortgage and all the other things that you have to do uh, trying to get by. Um, I got to ask you just for my own sake, because this is something I'm curious about. I'm not even sure if this is something you would have the answer for. And I don't know how much contact you have with like New York State Ed. You know, if we're talking in September, are we expecting that kids are going back to school or is that something we're still not sure of yet? I think it's still uh, too early to tell, and, I, and I, it's really up to New York State. I'm I'm very anxious to know too because yeah. you know my my wife is a professor at over over at MVCC, um, so she works full time. She's she's not sure sure what what's the SUNY system is doing at this point in time in terms of uh, what things are going to look like in the fall. So she's prepping for both online classes and in person classes. We have two kids, 13 and nine years old, um, so they've been doing the homeschooling for the last couple months and. I don't know what's going to happen uh, in terms of, of the fall. I will say this, um, if, if school districts are going to be expected to, um, you know, send kids some days and other kids other days or have to do more busing because you can't have, you only have so many kids on a school bus, in places like Utica and other uh, areas that are high need school districts, they're going to need additional help from the state and federal government to make those kinds of things happen. Um, and until we truly get back to a, 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 you know, a, a vaccine here, I think there's going to be some, there's probably going to be some kind of a hybrid approach where you have some kids in the class, yeah. some kids doing distance learning, and then they swap. Um, so we got to help schools and we got to help teachers too with professional development because for many of them, you know, this was the first time that they got thrown into this distance learning thing. And um, we wanted to make sure they have all the resources they need too. And you know, it's, it's so funny, uh, during my last round of student teaching that I completed before we, you know, everything shut down, uh, I really was able to work with a teacher who was really adept at these new platforms, this Google Classroom, this, you know, yeah. learning on the laptops, and just knowing how to do it was a really, really helpful tool. But even at its very best, for me personally, it's still not the same because it's not, yeah. you know, it, even for people who are very great, and she was great at making stuff, amazing. But there's still something for me personally who grew up in front of a captivating speaker that doesn't feel the same to me. And I, I don't know, I still think about it all the time. I agree 100%. That's why, you know, I heard uh, Governor Cuomo talking about, well, we got to rethink education and maybe we can look at how we do distance learning more in the future. I, I don't agree with that. I think you got to have kids in the classroom. There's that emotional bond you can yeah. form with a teacher. Teachers can connect one-on-one -on -one with their students. You just can't get that over uh, an online platform like you do in the classroom. So we got to keep uh, kids in the classroom, keep teachers in the classroom. 
Uh, I just want to talk briefly about this. We won't spend very long on it. Uh, you have a 2020 rematch coming up with Claudia Tenney. Um, I find it interesting as a Democrat in upstate New York, in a, in a blue, it feels like I see a lot of people talk about your, this district as an important district. Do you find that to be a little like strange that people put a lot of like, uh, like emphasis on this district being something? I see it written up a lot in like Vox and all sorts of places. Yeah, it is strange. Look, this is this is our home. Um, yeah. you know, we love to feel important <laughs> exactly. here, but uh, our challenges are just the same as any other yeah. district across the country. But I think yeah. people always view this as a, a competitive swing district because, you know, historically it's been represented by more moderate members on, on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, you have you know situations like in 2012 where Obama was against Romney and they split the district pretty evenly. And then 2016, Trump wins it pretty heavily. So it's a district that has gone back and forth. So that's why people always view it as a, as a swing district, I guess. Do you find it harder to sort of, I don't know if the right word is like campaign from the top, but you know what I mean? Like you're, you're in the seat now. Do you find it different being in the seat this time as being the person who's, who's trying to take over? Um, it's a little different, but I guess I, I, you know, my background was from the state legislature. So I was a little yeah. used to being in that kind of a position. Um, I, I would say now, the campaigning has really been put on the back burner because everything has been consumed by the coronavirus response and all, all the other things that are happening across the country. So, you know, I always feel that if you just do the job, uh, you do it well, you respond to your constituents, you help them with their problems, uh, you get legislative accomplishments that help people back in the district. The work you do on the official side is gonna be recognized when the campaign rolls around and, and voters will appreciate that and say, hey, we, we like the job this guy's doing. We may not agree with him all the time, but overall we think he's doing a good job and we don't wanna turn back the clock and go back to uh, a more divisive uh, representative. Um, I know we're getting toward the end here, so uh, I wanna want wrap up here with you. I have one uh, listener uh, mail question from one of our constituent friends here. This is from Retro Sorrento on Twitter. Uh, she wants to know uh, how we should deal with people who do not believe when facts are presented, when they're arguing against <laughs> facts. I know this is a conversation that people have a lot on social media. Uh, what do you do when you sort of get presented with someone being like, this fact isn't true or something along those lines? It's very challenging. You know, the best thing you can do is, is you try to present them with facts. Um, you know, unfortunately in today's day and age, people rely on like one news source, yeah. uh, whether it's on the left or the right, and they don't take the time to really educate themselves and learn and hear different points of view. So the best thing you can do is, is you present the facts. Hopefully you, you make some progress with that person. A lot of people just want to hear things that already uh, uh, boost their, their preconceived uh, beliefs. And that's, you know, you, you just try to educate them the best you can. Some folks, maybe you just, you just can't, uh, you know, you, you gotta leave it where it is and let them come to a decision on their own. So it's hard, but you know, I always fight facts, but uh, you know, try to go back at things with the facts. Uh, I have one quick lightning round question for you. Sure. Uh, I'm sure you're very busy right now, but uh, at the moment, is there any books, albums, movies, TV shows that you, your wife, your family are enjoying? That's always a good, I, I, so you always ask that question, I gotta be better prepared for it. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, in terms of books, I think the last one I read was probably at the end of last year, I read a, a, a biography about Teddy Roosevelt. Um, that was a great one uh, called The Bully Pulpit. Um, mm -hmm. TV shows, we're all, you know, my, my son and I are, are rewatching, he's 13, we're rewatching the Marvel series right now. Oh, nice. So we're trying, we're trying to work our way through awesome. all the Marvel uh, movies and 
uh, that's, that's always a fun thing and some bonding time with him. Um, and before I let you go, I just want to share a very brief uh, story with our listeners. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but uh, I worked for a long time for an organization called the Young Scholars Organization, which is a uh, education-based program out of Utica College. They do wonderful work with, uh, you know, really, really, you know, high performing, but low income, you know, low status kids in Utica schools. Mm -hmm. And every year we would go to DC to visit and we would do Congress and we'd do all these trips. And, you know, once in a while we were lucky enough to have the congressperson from our district come and say something to our kids. And uh, last time I was there, I was lucky enough to be there while you were there to address our kids. And you said such wonderful things about them, especially for somebody who came from this district, for them to see somebody who represented where they were from and to say such positive things, considering the last person who was there told the kids not to follow fake news. It was so uplifting to hear like positive words and positive um, like feelings about education, what these kids could do. And I know it meant a lot to them. So I don't know if I had a chance to thank you then, last time I saw you, but uh, I wanted a chance to thank you now. And again, keep doing what you're doing for our district and we'll keep supporting you. No, I appreciate that, Sam. I mean, as much as it means to them, it means so much to me as well, just seeing young people. And I love the Young Scholars Program. It's, uh, you know, my, my heart's always uh, on that Utica School District, and, and, and I want to see those, all those kids succeed. So it's great to be able to share a little time with them when they're in D.C. Uh, Congressman, I want to thank you so much for spending some time here with us. I know you're very busy. Again, thank you for your fifth time being on the show. It's been an exciting I'm honored. And I'll have to get you out again sooner. I'm always afraid to ask you now because you're like, uh, you're important. You're very No, good. anytime. <laughs> I, I always got time for you guys and I appreciate it. Happy anniversary. This is great that you guys have, have been doing this for five years. It's been awesome. It doesn't feel like five years. I couldn't believe it when I looked it up. <laughs> uh, Congressman, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you. You too. Take care. Once again, to Congressman Anthony Brindisi. I, it's so weird to say that now. Mm. We just talked to a congressman. I'm usually, I mean, I was, I usually like, I was like, sir, you're making a scene. Is the only time people ever call me sir. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> oh yeah, all the scenes you make. <laughs> I just know. Mild mannered man. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's, what a time to be alive. I really, I, if you had told me that at some point in time, five years ago, I'd be having chats with the congressman via Zoom messaging, I would like, I don't know what world we're talking about that we live in yeah, but... what, the 2040s <laughs> yeah. uh all right let's do some history lessons i have to admit these ones are a little dour but some of them are very on some of them make a lot of sense for what's going on in the world right now so a little bit less humor than normal for the history lessons uh on this day 1858 newly nominated senatorial candidate abe lincoln addressed the illinois republican convention and warned the nation faced a crisis that could destroy the Union. Speaking to more than a thousand delegates, Lincoln paraphrased a message from the New Testament, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He was referring to the issue dividing the nation with slavery's place in the growing Western territories. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, even me, me and the congressman talked about, you know, being students of history. And you look back at what we, I just don't know how people don't look back at what you see and be like, mm. has nothing changed? 
Mm. It still feels like the, divi- the division is what people seem to want. Yeah. People crave the division. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny that we were talking about it in 1858, and it feels mm-hmm. like we haven't really learned anything. Mm-hmm. Lincoln. And I also like that like a lot of Republicans try and take Lincoln now for their own, because he was a Republican. So they've got almost nothing. <laughs> they've got almost nothing. Yeah. Um, after Lincoln's speech, several of his friends expressed dismay at his radical content, by the way. So that's how people felt in 1858 about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lincoln lost a close Senate race to become, uh, to the more moderate Stephen Douglas that year, who advanced state sovereignty. Uh, his eloquent speech, though, uh, earned him national attention, and his strong showing in the polls encouraged people to back his ultimately successful bid for presidency in 1860. So two years hmm. later, he was finally successful running for president. People still just... Lincoln's number one, right? People like him quite a bit. I feel like any list I've ever read in my entire life about... People like him quite a bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another event that didn't happen too much longer after that. Uh, on this day, 1865, uh, well, not on this day, but coming up this week, uh, on what is known as Juneteenth, Union soldiers arrive in Galveston, Texas, with news that the Civil War is over mm. and that slavery in the United States is abolished. Uh, a mix of June and 19th, Juneteenth has become a day to commemorate the end of slavery in America, despite the fact that President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was issued more than two years earlier, on January 1st, 1863, mm. a lack of Union troops in the rebel state of Texas made the order difficult to enforce. Mm. Uh, upon arrival and learning uh, and leading the Union soldiers, General uh, Gordon Granger announced that the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the Executive of the United States of America, all slaves are free. Uh, on that day, 250 thousand enslaved people were freed and despite the message to stay and work for their owners many now former slaves left the state immediately and headed north or to nearby states in search of family members they'd been ripped apart from Mm. Uh, for many African Americans June 19th is considered Independence Day Uh, 47 states recognize Juneteenth as a state holiday but efforts to make it a national holiday have so far stalled in Congress I can't imagine Uh, who it is that's voting against that I could not (laughs) Guess for the life of me, which sector of people think making that a national holiday is a bad idea? I've, I'm I'm really glad that like more people know about Juneteenth now. Yes, and I'm more glad that people know about the Tulsa race riots mm-hmm. and I'm you know and all these things that have become back into public consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm concerned that the reason people hear about them is because Trump planned a rally on one of their days and then had to cancel it, and then the Watchmen talked about Let it. Let all the right? filthy races come out to the light. Mm-hmm. However, it's got to happen. Yeah, drag it all to the light. He must have known, right? Or they must have known. He of might course, not have known. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. That's not even that, to to consider otherwise is beyond foolish. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I mean, anybody who eats that up is either lying or ignorant. Yeah. Deeply, deeply ignorant on, like, a foundational level. Yeah, I feel like the gaslighting has been crazy high. Like, the ratio of gaslighting and, like... Non-stop. Three letters. G-O-P. Gaslight, obstruct, project. That's all you get. Tough stuff. That's all you get. Tough, tough stuff. All right, let's do something a little more lightweight. On this day, 1884, the very first roller coaster in America was opened. Uh, it was at Coney Island in New York and Brooklyn. It was known as the Switchback Railway. It traveled approximately six miles an hour. So mm, booming. <laughs> quite an exciting Booming. Trip. And it cost a full nickel to ride, which was a lot in 1884. It was an instant success, and by the turn of the century, there were hundreds of roller coasters around the country. I should just watch a really good uh, documentary about Coney Island. So if you mm. want to see it on YouTube, it's from the Defunct Land channel. It's a really nice 40-minute thing about the history Mm. Coney Island, though, was essentially just a tract of land of the ocean uh, that was discovered by Henry Hudson in 1609. 
It opened its first hotel in 1829 once it was finally accessible via one road that was built. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and the area, set, it was established with resorts and hotels and racetracks. Uh, it was between 1897 and 1904 that three amusement parks opened in Coney Island. Dreamland, Luna Park, and Steeplechase. If you go to Coney Island today, it is called Luna Park. That's what they're, sure. that's where the, cycl- uh, the cyclone is. Uh, the hot dog is said to have been invented at Coney Island in 1867. Mm. Uh, that's also where the famous Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest takes place every 4th of July. I've had a Nathan's Hot Dog down there. It's it's a hot dog. It's just fine. I'm not a big mm. Nathan's Hot Dog guy. Whatever. Uh, roller coasters and amusement parks experienced a decline during the Great Depression and during World War II. Uh, however, in the opening of Disneyland in Anaheim, California in 1955, you sort of saw the advent and rebirth of theme parks and roller coasters across the country. Mm. Uh, even today, uh, you can still go ride the wooden cy- uh, cyclone roller coaster, which was built in 1927. It is capable of speeds of 60 miles per hour. Uh, with an 85-foot drop, it is one of the oldest operating roller coasters in the United States today. Mm, miss me with that. We've talked about this before. You are not a roller coaster guy at all. No. They're not built for no. people like you. They're, They're too tall. Way, way too big for roller yeah. coasters. I don't feel like... So I guarantee... I've never seen that coaster, but I've been on some wooden coasters, and I guarantee I would be crammed in to the cart with like my knees pushed up uncomfortably trying to fit into the belt, and I guarantee my shins, mm-hmm. or right at the bottom of my knees where like all those important tendons are... Would be pressed up against the front of the ridge and getting jerked back and forth. It's just it's not for me. When I was in, uh, I was visiting my sister Kelly and Karen. My sister's Kelly and Karen down in New York mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and they took me to Coney Island because you know that's what you do when your little brother comes to visit. You do touristy stuff and you go to museums in Coney Island and all that kind of thing. Sure. <laughs> so I went to Coney Island. I went on the cyclone, and it is certainly rickety. It's now, mind you, it's cool because it's right. really old and you're on the beach and it's a really awesome yeah, thing yeah. to do. You know the vibe, the vibes are great. Yeah, yeah. Vibing out hard, right? That being said, it is wooden in the most wooden sense possible. Like the carts are made of wood, everything's made of wood. It's very uncomfortable. There's no the seats aren't meant like today. Modern roller coasters are built like jet airplanes. I'm yeah. talking about like yeah, got yeah. the big harnesses that go over your shoulder and it's padded and you you know you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want in them. This thing is essentially just like a, the galaxy from uh, from Sylvan Beach, but right. like really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember going on the first hill. I have my hands up in the air because that's what you're supposed to do, and my head whipped back and smashed against the wood, like behind me in the cart. <laughs> so for the first like ten seconds, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> this ride sucks. <laughs> just hurting in pain. My head's throbbing, and in the end, I'm like, it's great. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> terrible. Yes, yeah, like Coney Island is interesting because it definitely fell apart for right. a while, but now it's nice again. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me, folks. You definitely didn't want to go to Coney Island at night for a long time. I could not imagine. Mad shady. Right? I don't want to go to Coney Island at night at any time. Uh, so were you ever a roller coaster guy when you were a kid? Not really. Or were you always sort of like not, not into really. it? We didn't really go to places with roller coasters when I was a kid. Like, I, we didn't really go to our like roller coaster parks. I don't know. I pursued roller coasters as a kid. I thought roller coasters was really cool. I always wanted to be one of those guys who's like, I'm going to go ride the, the biggest, tallest roller coaster. But then I was like, nah, I don't really care. Anymore. I'm going to the ground. It's <laughs> fair. Uh, finally make our way to the 1990s on this day. 1991. Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar mm-hmm. surrenders to the police. Uh, Escobar was a Colombian drug lord and narco-terrorist. 
And he was the founder and sole leader of the Medellin Cartel. Mm-hmm. Shout, the, out, shout out to Billy Walsh. Shout out to Billy Walsh. Uh, dubbed the king of co- uh, cocaine, Escobar is the wealthiest criminal in history, having amassed an estimated net worth of $30 billion U.S. by the time of his death, equivalent to about $59 billion in today's money. That's a wild, wild amount of money. In the cash. In drugs. In, in cash. It's so nuts. Uh, he was essentially monopolized the cocaine trade to the United States in the 1980s and 1990s. Uh, one of those interesting sort of characters where he's almost presented like a Robin Hood type. Well, because he did a ton of stuff for the people of Colombia. Mm-hmm. A ton of stuff yeah, for the yeah. people of Colombia. Including yeah. killing, though. Yeah, a lot of killing. killing, yeah, killing yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, in 1982, actually, uh, he... He ran for parliament and was elected an alternate member of the Chamber of Representatives as part of the liberal alternative movement, uh, though he was responsible for the construction of houses and football fields, which gained him popularity amongst the locals. Mm. However, he was vilified by the Colombian and U.S. governments, who routinely stifled his political ambition and pushed for his arrest. Why? Well, again, he orchestrated the DAS building and Avankia flight bombings of... You know, he, so he's done a lot of crimes. It's mm. not that he's... He's not being unfairly... <laughs> Villainized here for sure. He is doing a lot of drug dealing and killing a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, lots so, of crimes. Yeah, again, a criminal, uh, <laughs> definitely a criminal. On this day, he surrendered to authorities. This is wild, though, and was sentenced to a five-year imprisonment on a host of charges. But he struck a deal of no extradition and the ability to be housed in his own self-built prison, which he called La Catedral. If you've ever watched Narcos, this is a part of that first yeah, season, yeah. and it's. Just, oh, a, just a palace. Just he built himself a palace. Unreal. He's like, all right, I'll go to jail, but I'm going to stay here instead. Uh, he escaped and went into hiding with authorities attempted to move him to a more standard holding facility leading to a nationwide manhunt. Uh, he was killed in his hometown by Colombian police a day after his 44th birthday in 1993. Again, his, reg- his legacy remains controversial. Many denounce the nature of his crimes. He's seen as a Robin Hood-like figure in Colombia, providing many managers to the poor. While his killing was mourned and his funeral attended by over 25,000 people at his mm. funeral. Uh, his, his private estate has been transformed into a theme park. I don't know if it's a theme park based on, like, drug dealing or the cartel. That seems kind of edgy. Uh, so, we did just watch that whole episode of a Sequence of Entourage where they're making the Pablo Escobar movie. Mm. Really wish someone had made a Pablo Escobar movie. They made Narcos. Narcos. Yeah, Narcos yeah, yeah. was what I always kind of wanted. For yeah, that. of course. That was, yeah. That was great. He is, it doesn't surprise me that he's a captivating figure. The story of his life is super wild and fascinating. Like, he's more, you know how people are, like, interested in serial killers? Sometimes you're like, why do you guys like serial killers so much? People yeah. are, like, obsessed. I'm very fascinated by this guy. That's the same thing. It is kind yeah, of the same criminals. thing. It's yeah. 100% the same yeah. thing. Yeah. By some mass murderer. Yeah. Yeah. With a weirdly, not a heart of gold, though. Like, you wouldn't call him a mass murder with a heart of gold. Is the conflicting Omar figure. Little. Every man's got to have a code. Uh, all right, Aaron. I guess feels like we were sort of destined to have to talk about Trump with this show. We have already have. Just in general. Oh, okay. On this day, 2015, Donald Trump launched his campaign. Oh, that's enough. For U.S. President mm-hmm. at Trump Towers. I mean, so really, we're talking right around the same time that we started doing this show. And that's really the reason I wanted to bring it up, essentially, is just, it feels weird that... We started the show, Obama was the president. <sighs> Sweet Barry. Running down those steps looking like an athlete. You see him bobbing up and down, him and Biden, moving around, you love to see mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah, so there you go, history lessons. Oh, um, 
did you see the funny thing? There's two two last Trump things I wanted to share with you. One, did you see? You talked to me about the Space Force thing about how they lost the rights to Space Force to the TV show. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so I don't even want to watch the show. I don't care about the show. I'm just glad that they trolled him. And also, did you see that you know President Trump is starting rallies again. Uh, but now, if you go to his rallies, you have to sign a waiver saying that you won't sue if you get the coronavirus. Of course. <laughs> of yeah. course. Because it's not safe. Because it's not safe to be there. Safe yeah, to be out there. He doesn't care about you. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about Bon Appetit? Sure. Uh, so, I sort of came up with a new segment called You Blew It <laughs> about Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit, for folks who don't know... Uh, had really sort of, over the last couple of years, it feel like they've established like this really strong YouTube presence, uh-huh. right? Certain shows on their network, really popular. They're getting talked, you know, six million views for certain people on there, really popular. Uh, and then earlier this week, it came out um, that the test kitchen in general uh, was not paying uh, its employees. There was pay inequality between people who were showing up on videos. Um Bon Appetit, I guess he was the exec, he was the owner, not the owner, uh, Adam Rappaport, I don't know mm-hmm. what his actual title was, he was found to have had some racist stuff in his past, whether it was a blackface or something along those lines, mm. uh, and it's just really, it's strange to me, again, we talked like a brand that really sort of came up over the last year, now it seems like everyone has taken a stand against it, the people who work for them, the people on air are standing yeah. up against it, it's nice to see, but it's such, it feels like Bon Appetit had just come into its sort of... Right. Major popularity. For sure. And I wonder I if mean, that... last, Yeah, like in the last two, two and a half years. Yeah. Man, it's like, man, now it feels like they've kind of... It's all over now. I don't know if they'll be able to get it back, I feel like. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll be able to get something back, certainly, yeah, because it's still a leader in the clubhouse and they've still got the people if they do the right thing. But yeah. that's because it's a systemic problem. Mm. It's not like... I, the, I, it's not a surprise. None of this yeah. is a surprise, you know what I mean? All this stuff is getting pulled out right now. It's just a matter of time. You know, all the most of the problems that people seem to have are with the parent company, which is Condé Nast. That's right. Which is, you know, a large, large corporation. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff is horrible. A lot of places. Yeah. So really, what the key that it set everything off is last Monday, an associate editor named Sola El Wale, who's been on the, if you watch the video, she's on there all the time, took to social media to call instances of racism and pay, uh, pay inequality at the company. This is from uh, Insider.com. Uh, in a series of Instagram stories, she talked about how she'd been hired at a $50,000 salary to, quote, assist mostly white editors and significantly less experience, which if you've watched the videos, she does do a lot of work for all everyone else yeah. on there. Uh, Condé Nast has come out saying that this is untrue, that people aren't compensated, uh, but I mean, I'm not taking Condé Nast's word for it, I feel like. No. Uh, I don't know. I just feels like Bon Appetit was on the verge of doing something really cool, and I feel like you guys blew it. <laughs> I mean... It's sort of where my my ending point was. I, I hope that a lot of the people here, a lot of the folks on this network probably go off and do their own thing anyway. They don't yeah, people to. were going to leave, yeah. yeah. But it's, those aren't even the people, and that's not the issue. I mean, like, the company is larger than yeah. just Bon Appetit. Like, it mm-hmm. starts there with that, and they were doing a thing, but, like, they didn't, it's not that they blew it. They got yeah. caught for doing something they've been doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't, I don't I feel zero sympathy for yeah. any, any sure. of that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, all right. So, uh, let's do something a little less serious. Let's talk about HBO Go and HBO Max or HBO Now or whatever you have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Media earlier this week, after the release of HBO Max, which I feel like didn't get as much conversation as, like, Apple TV when Apple TV popped off. Yeah, they got less money than Apple. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Apple's got a lot of money. Uh... But people had sort of been confused about which HBO project they actually had. Whether they had HBO Max, HBO whatever. 
then earlier this week, Warner they can't Media, read because they can't read. Earlier this week, Warner Media has gotten rid of HBO Go. So if you had HBO Go, you no longer have it. You have HBO Max. There is no more HBO Go. It's just mm-hmm. HBO and HBO Max mm-hmm. and HBO Now. I don't know anymore. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think of HBO Max? We've had it for a couple weeks now. We've been using it. It's great. I like it. I yeah. would, it's the most interesting service I have so far. Or we have. I'm the most intrigued by the stuff I find on it. Maybe it's because it's new. It's a big part of it. It's a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's good. It's certainly as good as any other. Yeah. It's as good as any other, I would say. I think probably. I'm ready to be out on Netflix. I say this all the Everybody's time. Everybody's out of Netflix. That's the thing people are saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, it, it all comes down to if people like their original stuff. They got a ton of original stuff that's super popular and tons of movies always coming out, all kinds of things like that, but depends how much that stuff matters. Oh, quick thing on Ted Cruz. Also this week, we talked about Ted Cruz earlier. He also came out and said that Columbus didn't commit genocide. Which is a lie. <laughs> Historians have come out and called him wrong, so... Because he's lying. Don't listen to him when he says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here's one from the no-duh category. Uh... This is from Salon.com. Alt-white women are upset that alt-right men are treating them poorly in relationships. Mm. I say, eh. <laughs> I don't know. What were you expecting? I don't know mm. to tell you. Uh, and last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to this loser. Uh, that would be former NASCAR driver Ray Sicarelli. NASCAR truck driver. That is correct. Truck driver. This is not like a NASCAR. Part-time this guy's not out here with Jeff Gordon and whoever else. <laughs> Part-time. NASCAR pickup truck driver uh, came out earlier this week against NASCAR's decision to ban Confederate flags from all of their events. You know, not for nothing, this is actually kind of a surprising take for NASCAR. It yeah. felt like I kind of respect it. Love to see it. Love to see There's it. There's no kind of respect about it. I respect the hell out of it. I didn't think they would ever do it. I was like, I mean, mm-hmm. it feels like it's part of their brand almost. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Of course it does. Yeah. Well. Uh, so because of this new policy, uh, former driver Ray Sicarelli was pretty upset and took to Facebook, as one does when they're upset these days. It's been a fun ride and dream come true, but if this is direction NASCAR is headed, we will not participate after 2020 season is over. Uh, I saw a lot of people dunking on this dude on Twitter, essentially like, this guy's never been good at anything involving race. So I, <laughs> I appreciate that take. That's been my favorite take That's I've seen. That's strong. Twitter's been working real hard the last couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... He's my I'm done with this guy of the week. Ray Sicarelli. Good luck on the, whatever the Bellator to NASCAR's UFC is. Is there like a, a mm, lowbrow, second yeah. level? Uh, I think it was NASCAR. <laughs> it's, it's just the truck series. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Oh, and I just wanted to, since we're on the topic of Confederate flags, I found a couple lists this week. People have been talking about Confederate pride. Here's a list of things that people have been talking about that lasted longer than the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. Nirvana. The band. Uh, I just saw this guy as my emo phase in the early 2000s. RuPaul's Drag Race, the television show. Mm -hmm. Starbucks. The Barack Obama presidency. Shout out. Prohibition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Production on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. See? (laughs) Sourdough starters. Mm -hmm. MySpace. Elton John's retirement tour. The Spin Doctors. Mm. The Microsoft Zune. (laughs) And wait, there's more. I have another one. What else did we have out of here? Oh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, the kids' television show. Yikes, stay away from that person. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Just a short list of things that have been... Oh, this podcast. Oh, 
So we've officially all asked the Confederacy. Yes, suck Does it. that mean the idiot that lives on our street that has a Confederate flag for his lift gate for his pickup truck has to get rid of it? I think we should have a Confederate monument taken down and then put our monument in place. Five years of podcasting. Mm. Bro, <laughs> take mm. down that crummy Columbus thing we got here in Utica. He should put us on his lift gate. You want to get We should be, we'll we should be at the Columbus, Columbus intersection. Thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll put ourselves up instead. Oh, man. Yo. Yo. 50 year anniversary uh, GoFundMe. See if we can get a yes. Uticast monument on the parkway. Uh, let's do uh, a couple... It wouldn't be a Uticast episode without a couple bits from other blogs before we close up today. Uh, for our, I can you call it bits from other blogs, even though this, this is, not, is a blog. not a blog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. <laughs> um, okay, so tough question for you. Yes. Uh, worst world to live in. A world with no paper towels forcing you to use tissues to clean up all your messes. Mm. Or a world with no tissues... We're forced to use paper towels to clean up personal messes. So essentially you're choosing tissues or paper towels. You can only have one. I reject. I reject almost all of this. Ooh. Um, Ooh. So here's my thing. Number one, clean up personal messes. I don't know what that means. If they mean blow your nose, I know what that means. Other than that, you're not cleaning up any personal mess with a tissue. I think they mean you blow your nose. I hope that's what they mean. If you blow your nose... Because the... people make jokes about tissues for other things. That just that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but you like the... I'd rather have a tissue to blow my nose. Yeah. I'm kind of off paper towels. Uh, I don't... I'm going to... You know... In, I still use them. We've still got them here. I still get them. I bought the paper towels in the kitchen right now. But like long term, I'm trying to move off of paper towels. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't... They're too ubiquitous. It's too much. Um, disposable paper products. You know what I mean? Anything you can move away from, you can move away from. Yeah. But I would rather have tissues in the house than paper towels. The paper towels, if you have washcloths or dedicated wash towels that are dedicated to being like your yeah. mopping in the kitchen then you've always got something like that but blowing your nose you like to have that tissue you can crumple up and go but you can also blow your nose in toilet paper so who gives a shit you what can you do there's nothing you can do with tissues besides blow your nose right they are not meant to clean things up maybe like you probably clean your glasses I mean, they don't have the structural integrity to clean no. up a spill. Anything. They're too Nothing. small. They're, they're not absorbent. They don't really absorb. No, they're not yeah. meant to be absorbed. They're meant to, like, fall apart it's immediately. It's to get tissues. They're covered in, like, lotion and aloe and shit. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't want tissues until I get sick and then don't have tissues and use paper towels for, like, 20 minutes and then go, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I need to go get real tissues. For sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, I use paper towels more regularly for stuff. Yeah, I would say stuff. so. Uh, all right. Could I, at the age of 39, dedicate a year and achieve the flexibility to do a full split? Would it be possible to do with just a ton of daily stretching? Uh, no and no. I think I've passed the limit at any point in time to do a full split. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, you could. Mm. Yeah, if you did it every day, sure. Of Ooh, course you could. I don't know, man. Definitely. I think my body works that way anymore. It would if you if you were training every day and eating right and sleeping I, right. You'd I do yoga do relatively regularly, two three times a week, and I still can't touch my toes. Sure, but if you were like saying. training every day and eating right and sleeping right, you could do a split. This is the year of the split. I'm telling you, I'm behind this. Uh, as we get into our mid thirties, late forties, are we supposed to be Grateful Dead fans? Shout out to a good friend of the podcast, Eric Tuttle. I don't, yeah. I mean. Shout out to Pete Forgets. Uh, all the yeah, but those guys have there. always been, de- he's always been a deadhead. That's different. If you've always been a deadhead, that's one thing. I've got a lot of friends who are all of a sudden deadheads now in their 30s. Yeah. Like out yeah. of nowhere, like I've been getting really into the dead. Dead are fine by me. I'm not, I'm not really a jam band guy. I respect it. It's cool. People love it. I'm sure if I went to the show, I'd have an awesome time as a musician. I appreciate what they built, the musicianship, all that. 
I just don't really, you know what I mean? For it's, anyone it's all right. who's out there saying, wait, you like Steely Dan, but you don't like The Grateful Dead? My Steely Dan is better than Grateful Dead. Yes, yeah, very so much I so. Don't really, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> what you want to hear about it. Yeah. Verses and choruses, multiple times on the same uh, record. You wouldn't believe it. And last, <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, uh, we've been watching some HBO Max. One of your favorite things of all time is on there. That is classic Looney Tune cartoons. For sure. Uh, without prompting. And I didn't write down any either. Can you rank your top three Looney Tunes characters? Mm, um, Bugs and Daffy at some amalgamation one and two. Yeah. Um, my head says Daffy with a heart. It's you can't really pick against Bugs. It's just almost impossible. We watched a few, and after I I went in thinking the answer was Daffy, and then the more and more time I was like, this is closer than I give. He's Ken to Bugs is Ryu. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> they got a little Batman Superman thing going too for sure Batman and Joker thing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of um, and then third I mean Porky Pig is strong Porky Pig is strong tough to bet against him I get a kick out of all of them I like them all some, some weirdos them. like Marvin the Martian the hipster pick Marvin's up there or the whatchamacallit your big Gossamer Gossamer yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, real low key one Count Blood Count who is their mm-hmm. fake Dracula I always mm-hmm. like his voice I am a vampire yeah it's yeah tough. That's Bugsy, a the little gangster, and a little gangster Bugsy. Yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do, boss? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has my Shout out Speedy too. Gonzalez is good. I mean, Wiley Coyote doing a lot while saying nothing. Very expressive. You know, we watched a couple of those. Those don't hold up the way that the other ones do. It's all artistic. What, Roadrunner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very artistic. You, ha- In order to enjoy that stuff as an adult, anyway, if you're not watching with kids, you know, besides the fact that you have to appreciate the art form and the historical perspective of the art form to really get something out of them. I feel like watching them now. Like, if you don't appreciate what these people accomplished with like hand-drawn animation and the approach to the art form and that kind of stuff, if you don't have that appreciation, you're probably not going to like it otherwise. Because it's not like the writing is so amazing that like it's jokes yeah. in a way you've never heard. Um, Alright, that's really all I have for us for our five-year anniversary episode. Five years of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll go back to just having regular... Not exciting episodes where you talk about normal stuff next week. Mm. This week, I guess, too. Yeah, always, yeah. Um, no, I mean, again, I don't really, we already said our thank yous at the beginning. I, I mean, we'll say them again. Thank you to everybody. Anybody who's ever listened to the show, crazy. Yeah. Anybody would ever listen to a word that <laughs> we have to say. Uh, Still boggles my mind, five years in. And again, I want to thank all the, you know, to Aaron Higgins, to Heather Waz, to Mara Avery Drayton, to Cliff, to Justin, to all the Maiden Utica crew, to everyone who's supported us over the years, who's reached mm-hmm. out, who's been on the show. Congressman Brindisi, all the mm-hmm. folks who were here today to help us out. Heather, I, I hope we got your interview back. If not, I'll bring you on next week again. See you soon enough. We miss um, you. Yeah, man. Just be good to everybody out there. Be safe. Treat others with respect, dignity. Make your voice heard. Don't be silent. Sign mm-hmm. art, humanoids. Keep it tight. Send a special prayer out to uh, Maiden Hudica mascot Drexel. I don't mm. know what's going on with Drexel. He's not feeling so good these days. For sure. Uh, Woodstock lives. Sign art, humanoids. Keep it tight. Um... That's it. The tape machines are rolling. Uh, We are desperately out of time. Mm. We will see you next week, like we have for the last five years, for another episode of the UbiCast. Have a great week, guys. (laughs) 